Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Danny, how are you today? Hi, how are you? Happy happy Father's Day to all the, the fatherly folks out there. That's right. My husband for Father's Day is out fixing my bike. So everything's working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will do something nice. Um... But we are not alone. We are joined today by Blazers Edge writer and editor, Isaiah De Los Santos. Isaiah, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you on today. Yeah, it's been a year in the making since the last time I came on. So thank hey. you very much. It sure has. It's been a while and we haven't really touched base since the Blazers uh, series uh, finished for the year. I'm guessing, at least from as far as I could tell from Twitter, you were pretty satisfied with how things went with the Blazers this season. Oh, it was a magical, magical season and probably something that I won't ever forget. It was just amazing. What did you what did you like about it the most? I mean, there's the, you know, the game five or whatever. But was there sort of like a just like a, a story arc that you enjoyed following this whole season or a player whose progression you really liked how it played out? I really liked the Blazers just as the underdog. Uh, losing Nurkic, we were there for Blazers Edge night. You know, it kind of felt like the season just ended right there. And a lot of people were counting the Blazers out. And, you know, Cantor comes in, Rodney Hood comes in, talking about a player that I love, Rodney Hood. Uh, it was amazing just to see, you know, the Blazers really rally behind Nurkic and, you know, assistant coach uh Jonathan Yim going down with his injury, you know, it was just like one thing after another and they still rebounded at every chance and, you know, watching the games, the four overtime, the game seven, when it was just an incredible, incredible thing, you know, to, to witness. And as an editor, you were kept really busy, I suppose. <laughs> we might yeah. Guess. I mean, this is the longest the site's ever gone in coverage because they haven't been here since 2000. So, you know, uh, it, it was a long season, but it was really worth it to see, you know, the fans uh, love and keep up with this team as much as we do. Awesome. Well, we are we're going to talk a little bit about around the league this week. Usually we focus mostly in on the Blazers, but getting ready for the offseason, we're going to take a step back and do a little bit of a league wide look. I cannot believe what a difference a week has made. Dan, the last time we talked, the uh, Raptors had a 3-1 lead and we were waiting to see if KD was going to come back. I believe that's where we were a week ago. So KD yeah, did come so, back. So things have happened since then. <laughs> he played beautifully, but for 11 minutes and then he was lost again for an entire year to a ruptured Achilles. The Warriors managed to squeak out a win and keep it alive. But then three days later, they lost Clay Thompson for a year and the Raptors won the championship. And before they've even had their parade, the worst has happened, which is, well, that's not the worst. The worst thing is injuries. But the 
Anthony Davis is now a Laker. <laughs> what has happened? Yeah, and for <laughs> Toronto's sake, I don't think the worst has happened yet because as of right now, Kawhi is still loosely affiliated with the Raptors. Like his contract's not ready to run out here in a few days. Um, and all signs seem to point, and nothing seems to have changed to him still going to LA. Now there's this little, little antenna going up that if the Lakers are somehow able to carve that max room slot out, which depending on the machinations of when the Anthony Davis trade is culminated, that Kawhi could go from the Clippers to the Lakers. I still strongly believe he's going to the Clippers and I don't have enough to indicate otherwise, but I mean, he went to Toronto and did the damn thing. Uh, I think if you're Toronto, you're, you're okay with this. You got your ring. Like if, if, if Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard had come to Portland and, and you know, it had cost CJ and then he got us a title and left, would you, would you really be mad? Um, I don't, I, I think I would be pretty happy with the championship. Right. So How I mean, you, I, Isaiah? <laughs> definitely give me the ring. Yeah. I mean like, listen, Hey man, you did the damn thing. I appreciate you. You go do you, you go home, go to LA, you know, go live in the sand and, and promote your non-brand and enjoy your new balances. Like it, it's cool. Obviously the downside of all this is KD going out on the floor and not just getting hurt, but rupturing an Achilles. Um, to me, what's Followed really by Clay. I, well, we'll get to we'll get to Clay, but to me, I, I I haven't seen a lot of this on Twitter or uh, in talking to people around the league. Is that the way we looked at Boogie after he ruptured his Achilles in a contract year is very, very, very different than the way we're looking at Kevin Durant right now. People that I'm hearing talk about Kevin Durant's contract situation are very much of the belief that oh, you know, he's still going to get a max. He's still going to get that super max. Some team's going to do it. And I'm sitting here going, why? Why is it different from Boogie who had to knock on doors? (laughs) Exactly. And don't get me wrong. I know that Kevin Durant is a transcendent first ballot Hall of Fame, maybe the best isolation scorer the game has ever seen. I I get that. But we're still talking about Achilles, an injury that, what, two people have come back from and been themselves or more. Like, it just doesn't happen. So it's it's a little bit weird for me that so many people are so quick to believe that he's going to just get that deal. And now that may be 100% true. Maybe 100% true because a team is just – they look at him as being so transcendent that they're willing to still take that risk. But the way it's being discussed is it being you know just done is a little bit surprising to me. What, what, about, what about you guys? I mean especially at 30 years old. And he's going to be 31, you know, next season. Uh, It's scary that he already has a max contract. Supposedly, like, teams are already lining up to give it to him. I I would be a little apprehensive about that, especially with the severity of the injury. And he's seven feet tall and the age. I I don't know. I don't know about it. I mean, I do understand that, you know, KD has quite a bit more proven track record than Boogie did at, at the time. I mean, KD has now championships, finals MVPs, and MVPs, yeah. things like a couple things like that under his uh, under his belt. So I can I can see why you know I'm not sure it w- there would be there would have to be a lot of the 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 thing that that always gets me is how long the contracts are um, that even that they're giving guys in their 30s. Considering how uh, often it's likely that their um, athleticism is going to suffer as they get older, but you know, shout out Chris Paul. 
there all you know although if you get a you know if you get a guy who is a transcendent talent whether or not you know his um you know his body is still able to to keep up they're they're worth so much for just all the other things that they bring i guess it kd coming back from this and only being like 70% of himself which still is a phenomenal player but would be very much like right on brand for the Knicks. No, like it's just, Oh, Hey, we're going to invest all of this into a guy who ultimately doesn't end up being totally worth it. Well, you bring up a really interesting point, which is that there was a, a, you know, just a solid narrative going in that KD was going to the Knicks. So I'm curious from you guys, how do you see these uh, injuries? Unfortunately, um, I just every time I say somebody's injury, I want to like make it so clear that like it's so tragic <laughs> that these injuries have occurred. Um, but we, you know, the league goes on. So, how do you guys think it's going to change the off season? What are some of the major uh, things that you see cropping up that we weren't talking about a, a week ago? Isaiah, do you have any thoughts? I'm just thinking about the West in general. I don't know if there's a clear-cut contender or like a clear-cut favorite right now uh, to take the West next year. I mean, you do have the Lakers forming a super team and get landing AD like we mentioned before and Kemba Walker maybe wanting to go there as well this summer. But that that's kind of the biggest thing for me is when we're looking at the tiers, and I think we're going to get that a little later, it's hard to really pick a favorite right now, a clear-cut favorite with Clay and KD both looking at missing the entire year next year. The thing for me is I'm going to use a little bit of analogy here. This is, this is very much Las Vegas where the only guys at the table coming into the season last year were Golden State and Houston, like who really had big money on the table in the Western Conference. The East, you had Milwaukee, you had Toronto, you had Philly, you had Boston. So you had about six teams who felt themselves as title contenders. Now, maybe the Thunder saw themselves as that coming into the season after, you know, bringing back Paul George and maybe, you know, a little bit of health, things go their way. You know, the way things kind of broke for the Blazers, the right side of the bracket, everybody's good, then maybe. So maybe seven teams, right? Well, right now in the Western Conference, there, like Isaiah said, there is not a favorite putting big money down. You have seven, eight teams who are stepping up to the table and begging begging to put their bets down. Golden State's going to be sitting this out. They're still going to be good, but Clay's gone until probably February. If they do sign KD and they bring him back, he's out for the year. You're going to have roughly, what, $60 million tied up in guys who aren't going to touch the floor. That's that's a rougher stretch than Portland's going to have to endure with Yusuf Nurkic and his $12 million on the bench. Like that, like it's very, 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 very hard, especially with how front loaded the talent is in Golden State. Don't get me wrong, though. We're going to see Steph. One of the things I've wanted to see for years is Steph in the position that Dame was in, where it was him and one other guy and then some other guys around him. Let's let's see how many games he wins then. Let's see how well he competes in the playoffs then. Let's see how he does against a true double and triple team uh, when he gets in a playoff matchup. Let's see what happens then for, for those guys. Denver's still got to be feeling good about themselves. They make it to the second round for their first time back in the playoffs in quite some time. There were rumors of them obviously hopping in on AD, but I mean, they, they, they've got to feel good. And then there's certainly other guys out there that they could go cash in their depth uh, to get a higher end talent player. And they've got a guy in Michael Porter Jr. Who hasn't even seen the floor yet. He, he basically got a red shirt year and talent wise, 
I mean, you, you look at how he's built and, and how everything's supposed to, you know, kind of laid out for him. He's supremely talented and kind of ticks all the boxes of what you expect from a guy going forward. The Rockets could go one way or the other, right? We've heard all these rumors about them being blown up or they're going to make some big time changes. We've heard uh, the, the dark rumors of somebody we willing to take on the Chris Paul contract. The Jazz are in pursuit of D'Angelo Russell and Mike Conley. Uh, the Thunder, who knows? They get healthy. They get Roberson back. The Kings are getting better. Uh, the Grizzlies are going to have a nice, solid base between John Morant and, and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. The Pelicans got a nice infusion of young talent. How good would it be? I don't know. I don't care. They still have Zion. Like, you just, outside of the Phoenix Suns, Every team in the Western Conference can beat you on a nightly basis. Even the, even a team like the Mavericks has got to be feeling themselves right now, right? Like, hey, you know what? What if we made a big move? What if we did something? You know, like, realistically, I, I look at the Western Conference right now, and outside of probably the Suns and the maybe the Timberwolves, I think every team has a viable chance if they made a big move. And I think the AD domino is the first of many that's going to fall. Let's talk a little bit about that domino. Um, what were your guys' first reactions when it came down? Was it just kind of like, oh, well, it, you know, we've been hearing about this trade now. It's finally done. Or was there surprise or anything like that? I think we had heard about it for so long, especially with the All-Star break uh, right before uh that they were already talking about this trade that, you know, I kind of just tuned out. I, I'll be honest. I don't really care about what the Lakers do uh, because they're always in the headlines for doing something. And, you know, it gets, it gets old really fast. And I'm not as honestly surprised that this deal happened, but you can see that, you know, the Lakers, they gave away the future, you know, for the present right now. And it'll be fun to see if it actually works out for them. And it'll be fun to see if it doesn't work out for them. Yeah, that's the fun part. I, I mean, this was going to happen. Uh, you got to give David Griffin props for. I, I saw so many folks around the Lakers saying, oh, the Lakers have all the leverage. They have all, like, tell them they can have B.I., Hart, and a first. If they don't like that, they can kick rocks. And it was just really, really funny to see all that happen. I'm like, yeah, they got B.I., they got Hart, they got that first, they got Lonzo, and they got a lot of draft capital after that, buddy. Yeah. So seeing the Lakers get fleeced on the draft capital in the back end, wah, love it. Uh, pairing eight, like if you take LeBron and AD out of Los Angeles, like that whole idea, those two super freaks together is going to be fun no matter what. As long as those two dudes are healthy and on the floor, that is going to be some of the most physically dominant and entertaining basketball we may have ever seen. Throw in a guy like Kemba who's, just so damn good on the ball as far as creating his own shots. And you have got all the gifts, all the meme. I mean, the Lakers were the meme team already, but it was because they were a joke. Now they're going to be doing it because it's going to be highlight play after highlight play after highlight play, which obviously from a Portland perspective, you know, sucks. Um, but they did have to give their shirt off their back to get him. Do you guys think that there was a winner? New Orleans, 100%. I think if the Lake if the Lakers can land Kemba, you know that is that is scary. And I would if they land Kemba, I think they would be the favorite in the West. Oh yeah, no, no, no. If they land Kemba, they're they're immediately a favorite as far as a uh, 
title contending team in the West because nobody else has the that power to match up with them. But I'm talking about like mm-hmm. as far as you you know if you're David Griffin, you're not convincing AD to stay. And for all the talk we we hear about with the Blazers or any other team like possibly being involved in negotiations, the Pelicans did a hell of a job to get the absolute most out of this deal, knowing that they Absolutely. were losing AD for nothing. This was not DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl in a first. And granted, I am not that high on Lonzo. Never have been, never will be. Brandon Ingham, I think, is a okay to nice player. Uh, Hart is a nice rotation player. But that draft capital has the potential to be massive because there's just so many protections that weren't there. Then you look at the unprotected pick swaps that go out until Anthony Simons is 25, 26 years old. Like, this just kind of put that in perspective. Anthony just turned 20 a week ago. So that's that's insane for me. Like, that's if you're building a franchise for, for sustainability and longevity, you cannot do better than that, than what they just pulled off. So the Lakers, really short-term. Pelicans, quite a long-term. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's a juggernaut. If LeBron is, if the this last year was just a one-off as far as his injury skill. So I've been hearing some people talking about the number four pick still being in play. Have you guys heard that? And what does that mean? I mean, if you're talking about the, the number four pick being dealt, yeah, the, the, obviously the Pelicans have that. Uh, there's another one here in that. Uh, the Bulls are rumored, as well as the Suns, are both been rumored to be tied to Lonzo Ball. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans are looking to explore that trade unless they're really excited about pairing Lonzo with Giroux, which, I mean, sure, people out there like actually getting paper cuts. So I'm sure somebody likes Lonzo and Giroux together. I, I, I can't really see it because as much as I love Giroux, he's a secondary shooter, not a primary shooter. I mean, I, I made this joke and it was – tongue-in-cheek but also kind of serious zion's actually finding a way to go from duke to the nba and have worse floor spacing so ultimately i think they're going to have to make some moves and they could use that number four pick i mean they could bundle up that four with lonzo or that four with bi and who knows what do the wizards want for bradley beal can the wizards make any deals right now without a gm i mean they could owner owner could green light them well, I don't think it would be wise, but it could greenlight him. Uh, and if you're looking, if you're looking to um, Masai Ujiri, who's long been linked to the the job in, in DC, I mean, he's a hometown guy. Bringing him back in there, I mean, he's he's been willing to move a franchise guy before. So uh, I think it would cost ultimately more than a four in this pick and and, and Brandon Ingram for Bradley Beal, but. I mean, I, I think you, you have to at least try to entertain some ideas of pairing up a guy like Zion with a Bradley Beal type. I think that's like the match made in heaven. It's kind of, kind of the reason why I floated the whole CJ to New Orleans thing, because if you're talking about pairing Zion up with somebody, I think a guy like Beal or CJ is like your ideal candidate, right? So uh, New Orleans is going to wheel and deal. I mean, they have to. Otherwise, they're, they're playing basketball from, you know, what, 1994. You got the Larry Johnson Knicks out there with supersized Zion. I just there's just a complete and utter lack of shooting out there. Isaiah, do you have any thoughts about other uh, secondary moves New Orleans might be looking to make right now? It's interesting that they're putting the fourth pick out there, and you know you don't know what Zion's going to translate to the NBA like. So 
I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, put too much into his first year alone, but having that draft capital, like Dan said, over all these years and up till 2025, basically with the Lakers pick swaps and everything, uh, they'll definitely have, you know, the ammo at least to make a move. Uh, if Zion is really going to prove to be this transcendent superstar, like, you know, like it looks like already. Do you think that either the like I'm trying to bring it back to the Blazers at this point now like do you think either of these teams would be more or less interested in like any of the free agents that the Blazers are trying to sign because you know they have such limited resources to re-sign Cantor or Hood or any of the guys really um you know do you think do you see either or any of the Blazers free agents as perfect fits in these new systems that have uh, cropped up now in LA and new Orleans. I don't know if it's about those two in particular, um, particularly Rodney hood going to Los Angeles because we saw how he was with LeBron before. Um, I'm, I'm fairly certain he's not looking at that as an option. Um, I've heard Seth Curry's name actually. Yeah. I mean, Seth makes a ton of sense. hundred uh, percent. Cause they can, why pro- do you think he makes so much sense there? he's a primary shooter who works on and off ball. I mean, the Lakers experimented with the worst possible situation to put LeBron James in a bunch of head case dudes who can't shoot. Uh, I, I call me crazy, but I would go for the guys who are not head cases who have the ability to knock down a shot outside of five feet. Uh, Seth Curry is a phenomenal shooter. He can work off the ball. Um, he can be, he could be a lower tier starter or a great sixth man Uh, I mean, if he's working off uh, LeBron James or Anthony Davis pick and rolls, um, the amount of space he's going to get is going to be comical. I mean, realistically, it's it's going to be kind of nuts. Uh, The the amount of gravity those two have, not just, you know, because of their shooting, which really, I mean, neither one of those guys are pure shooters. It's the amount of attention you have to pay to them physically. So a guy like Seth makes a ton of sense. And realistically, Kind of going back to the original point that we talked about of what's going on in the Western Conference, because of those injuries, because it's so wide open, because so many teams are probably feeling themselves right now, guys that are free agents have got to be loving life because that that desire, that desperation that some teams may be feeling is going to just put a couple more commas or a couple more zeros on these guys' contracts because they're in win-now mode and they may need to bid higher for their services. So it... it Portland may have found itself in possibly a worse circumstance than they were before as far as expected money on the market. So I totally forgot what I was going to say. She was, <laughs> had, a really good, had a really good question, but so I'm just going to go stay on, um, stay on the script. Uh, do you guys see any other moves being made before the draft? Do you, have you heard, you know, of other teams aggressively shopping their big players or, um, you know, anything else that might need to happen before this Thursday's draft? Uh, the big one for me is that um, there are a lot of players that are being made available. Um and the the price point isn't as high as some would think. Uh, there are a couple of teams out there that are having kind of a fire sale. Uh, Miami's kind of one of those teams that's been linked to that. Um, Josh Jackson, I've heard from the Suns, is available for a late first round pick. I've heard the Timberwolves are pretty much not attached to anybody at this point uh, outside of Cat. So those guys can be had. Uh, Aaron Gordon's a guy we've touched on a lot, obviously. 
heard Orlando's more than willing to move him for the right package, and I don't think the right package is going to be that high. Sounds like Detroit has backed off uh, Blake Griffin, as the Cavs have also done with Love. We're not necessarily backed off. They're just kind of cementing their position and keeping those guys. Realistically, they're both those guys sell tickets, so it makes sense to kind of keep them. Even if you're, if you're not going to get better, then, then why move them kind of a deal, um, especially in those markets where – uh, at least in Cleveland, you've had success in the past. So, so you've th- heard more of people putting names out there to see what they what offers they might get in return. Uh, yeah, um, we're gonna get a surprise deal. Somebody's gonna make an offer somewhere. There's gonna be one of these teams. It could be like a team like Sacramento or Dallas or something like that that makes a surprise offer to somebody, and you're like, oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I can see that. So, um, I mean, Beal's gonna probably one out of Washington. So I think he's the one you kind of keep your eye on. Um, Jimmy Butler probably looks at Clay Thompson going down and going, huh, I wonder if there's a team out West that really wants a, a max salary two guard or, or, or two, three. Um, and all of a sudden, maybe he doesn't re-sign with Philly. So I think those are the kind of wrenches we're looking to, to kind of be thrown in here, right? Great. More players coming West. Why does everybody have, doesn't somebody have to go East? <laughs> Sure, in a sense. Somebody has to go east. (laughs) At some point in time, you would think so, but... I remember what I was going to say. Do you think that uh, there's any chance that with, you know, because of these two massive injuries to Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, do you see any possibility that everybody just kind of kicks things down the road and we just have a lot of one-year contracts happening? Because we already had that last season, um, in test in anticipation of of this year, do you see enough jockeying around that maybe we we just get another year of a bunch of big one year contracts for guys or short you know two year big um, contracts like I guess Paul Millsap had one of those a couple of years ago. Yeah, where he had the option year. Um, I mean, certainly a possibility. I don't just. Trying to go off memory here, I don't think there's a ton of teams with the massive cap space for next year. I think a lot of teams kind of loaded up for this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I'd have to I'd have to double check it, but I don't think there's a team that's like loaded for bear without making some moves for next year's cap space. So I think I don't think teams will necessarily be looking at that. But if they want to front load a contract or you know do a short you know one year twenty million dollar deal kind of thing, uh, the mercenary for hire. I could definitely see a, a deal like a deal or two like that happening. I think guys might even be open to the longer contracts, uh, wanting the security, mm-hmm. seeing a big guy like Katie or Clay go down, and you know Katie uh, and LeBron like those kind of player option short contracts, and you know it's a gamble, and you know if you get injured, uh, that could affect you. So I think you could see guys uh, maybe wanting to go for the, the long term contracts and security instead. Yeah, the, the player agency stuff, when we talk about the player-driven markets and all these choices and how they're dictating terms, that works for four guys in the league. That's it. The rest of the league needs the security. The rest of the league needs to guarantee that money. You know, they, yeah. they, they can't all be KD, uh, you know, LeBron, Giannis, it's one of those, you know, four or five, Ka- Kawhi, one of those guys who can just kind of wave their finger and have things happen. Um, and have teams knowingly continue to pay them because they're such world-defining forces. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's actually a, a really astute point as far as 
the idea that teams may look at, damn, if it can happen to KD, it can happen to anybody. Damn, if it happened to Clay, it can happen to anybody. I need to get my money now because both those guys are guys that have forfeited money in order to stick together. And now they're looking on the cusp of getting paid and they may not get paid. Just makes me so sad. I mean, you know, you guys know how I feel about Golden State Warriors, but that just, oh, just no. I mean, watching breaks your heart to see that happen. Yeah, watching Katie reach down and immediately everybody goes, "That's his Achilles." Like every couch doctor was saying the same thing. When Clay came down, I, I just, I think we just got done with Blazers Outsiders. We had the game on in, in the in the newsroom and sitting there watching with the producer. And I saw him go down. I reached for my knee and screamed. It was just like. No, I know that feeling. I know exactly what he just did. He tore his ACL. That's that's not good. And he, you guys see him do that mo- when the camera kind of picked him up. He made a, hand, a motion with where he crossed both his hands, where he said he, he could feel it like he could switch up. When he came back out and took those free throws, that was that was a pretty cool moment. The, the guy told his coach, "Hey, I'll be back in two minutes." And I, I, there's some machismo stuff in there, and there's some. Ignorance of the injury, not that he's an idiot. He he just I don't think he knew how bad it was in the moment because of the adrenaline, the 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 impact of the moment, the finals, all that stuff. Because there are some reports that basically he got back to the locker room and all of a sudden that it it hit him. Then like it swelled up, yeah. Yeah, I can't move. My knee is shredded. Um but yeah, I mean those those two things on that stage at that point at the end of the season could be like a the end of a season that was signified by just weird moments. Kawhi, you know, 18 bouncer going in Anthony Simons, maybe being the undoing of the Houston Rockets, as we know them, like, like these little things that were just like, you're so weird and so out of place. And so seemingly never occur type things, especially to uh, guys on the, like, can you think of two guys further on the spectrum? Then Kevin Durant and rookie 19-year-old Anthony Simons. And the impacts that those two events could have on the NBA. So Anthony Simons leading the Blazers to the victory on the last uh, day of the season. So he's your KD? <laughs> yeah, just because of what it did and, and how the seating changed. It didn't just you know destroy the Rockets because of who they had to play early on. It set the tone and, and the path for the Blazers to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking for a ridiculously just out of this world random singular event, I don't think you're going to find too many more than Kevin Durant ruptures Achilles in game what game five and Anthony Simons scores thirty seven in game eighty two. Like this is just weird, completely one hundred percent wild. You would never have those things come up again if you tried. Well, let's look quickly at um, what the Blazers uh, have coming into the draft on Thursday. So they don't have very much cap space right now for spending money. I think we all know that. We've uh, talked about that ad nauseum. Um, but so it seems to me that there's like two ways that they could go out for the bla- that things could go with the Blazers, like if they're going to use a pick, I guess. So they'll they could either use their late first round pick to trade it for two second round picks. So they could like have, um, you know, less money obligation. I mean, because their uh, rookies don't often play anyway. So having one versus, you know, having two, you know, having two, two players might be better for the more advantageous for them because then they could actually fill out the roster. 
Or they could also try to look for someone who can actually contribute now so they don't have to figure out how to pay a more expensive veteran. But, of course, that would be a departure from how they usually do things. What do you guys think it's most likely the Blazers are going to do with the pick on Thursday night? Isaiah, do you want to start? It seems like with the crop of uh, draft or pre-draft workout, you know, participants they've had, it seems like they are definitely, you know, thinking about moving the pick. Uh, you know, you're having some second round guys or maybe some guys even for summer league coming in for these workouts, basically. And so that's made it a little hard for me to really, uh, you know, commit to them using this pick because I'm kind of out of the mind that they're not going to use the pick and they're uh, they're going to trade it away for uh, either to package someone on the team or, you know, try and take some flyers on some second round guys because that's kind of the MO of the participants they've had so far. What about you, Dan? So I think the big thing we need to step back and understand what's going to happen for the Blazers here for the next couple of weeks, right? And they have to kind of signal their intentions early. And I think we're going to get a we're going to get that signal flare here in the next week. I think in the 72 hours leading up to the draft, the Blazers will be burning up phones trying to move a pick with an expiring contract for a player of consequence that meets a particular need but also clears them of some salary cap space, right? So they're trying to get to the full mid-level exception. They need to make some things happen there. They need to go through order of operations to make sure, you know, this happens before this, much like we're seeing with the Anthony Davis trade. When that trade goes through, what does it mean? Or when, the, or when it goes through, how does that impact the Lakers and what their salary cap structure looks like? It's the same is true for the Blazers. And if you look at a first-round pick, 25th, the 25th pick, when they look at that, it's a guaranteed price point, Right. Each pick as it goes down that scale, you get to the second round. Those things are those those things are you know they aren't defined, so they can they can make some things happen there. Um, they could always you know divvy up the money from an MLE at the end of it if that's what they ultimately want to do, which is what they did with Gary Trent and Seth Curry last year. Um, so we'll we'll see some things happen over the next couple of days and kind of know which way they're going to go probably pretty quickly. Uh, whether or not they're, they're going to be real players in free agency or whether or not they need to make real moves between there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all goes. But, I mean, like Isaiah said, all indications are that they're looking at the second round. And the weird thing is that they've been targeting a lot of guards. Um, and th- that can be smokescreen. It can be paying it uh, a favor to an agent uh, or you know to somebody else to get a look at them. Um, so it's a little bit interesting to see that. But the last group, uh, which I'm sure you'll you'll appreciate, Tara, the all-name group where you had Brad Zekas, you had Admiral Schofield, you had Vic Law, you had Louis King, you had Gordon Tucker, Ray John Tucker, and it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard Ray R A Y J O N, so not not the typical uh, Rajon Rondo, so the R A J. Um, they do have excellent names. That group that was in uh, working out, I really loved their names. <laughs> And it's I would draft Admiral Schofield on his name alone. Yes, exactly. exactly. And then you see him and you're like, huh, I guess they just kind of knew. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's yeah. built like a truck. He's if, if I mean, you guys have probably seen me talk about him a little bit in the in the Slack channel. But I, while I don't uh, look at him as my next Donovan Mitchell, he's he's a guy who's that fringe kind of first rounder um, who has a lot of things that I really, really enjoy when I'm looking at a prospect are going to use a pick um i i think he's probably one of their best bets to fill a gap um he reminds me a bit of west matthews 
strong three-point shooter, obviously not coming out of college. Wes couldn't hit the bronze side of a barn. Um, but physical profile, huge, huge, huge locker room guy. Leadership for days. Uh, and I think it, it never hurts to have uh, some of those guys, extra of those guys. I would like the Blazers to have a vocal guy on the floor. So it would be really nice to see them go after a guy like him. Uh, but Do the, you the really count- think – Somebody, whoever they take in this year's draft is going to see the floor. Yeah, they're going to have to. Realistically, I mean, you have to, you got to replace. It's either that or you're going to have Anthony out there a, a lot more too. And I mean, Anthony's still 20 years old. The one thing you could say about Schofield, you know, he's he's spent he's some years, guy. He spent some years in college, which is kind of the profile of what they, the guys they've targeted in this in this region in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, he is ready to play. Mm-hmm. He's he is a grown man, hundred percent. Um, physically he can get out there and compete with guys. No problem. College every year got better as a three point shooter, uh, has a very good catch and shoot profile. Uh, I, I think he would come in and fit a need of a consistent shooter with good defensive instincts. He doesn't have the lateral quickness as again, this is why he's got a second round grade, but he ticks a lot of boxes and it could get him really cheap. I mean, that's kind of the profile the Blazers really need to go after, in my opinion. You get the same thing with Horton Tucker, who's another guy that came in in this workout. Louis King is a guy. Louis King is a guy out of Oregon that I know a lot of Duck fans really like because he came on during the tournament, but I've seen him kind of grade out anywhere between 40 and 50. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I really do think that no matter what, whether the Blazers trade that first-round pick with a player or trade that first-round pick back for second picks or they – make another move and they have to buy into the second round right now. I believe the Blazers are going to get at least one second round pick. So they get somebody with some upside going forward. Who's you who's got some youth and is on a cheap controlled contract. Well, I spent a fair amount of the afternoon going down the Admiral Schofield YouTube uh, rabbit hole. That's a fun hole. It is, but I, I'm fairly certain that I just, um, you know, jinxed our chances of actually having him on the team because as soon as I fall for someone, then that person is never coming. So sorry for all the Admiral Schofield. Can you uh, can you fall for Blake Griffin and love them? Because I know Steve DeWald from Blazers Edge is also a big fan of him, and I think he was uh, really also likes likes him. Um, Isaiah, anybody else that we haven't mentioned that caught, that's caught your eye? Who's been in for um, a workout? Belmont's Dylan Windler. Hey, uh, great shooter. Great shooter. You know, four-year guy. He fits that exact kind of profile uh, of, a, of a Blazers guard. And, uh, you know, he dropped like 30-plus in the NCAA tournament against Maryland. And, you know, I, I don't watch the tape as much as, you know, Dan and Steve do. Uh, but, you know, seeing that he had stepped up on the big stage and he was a four-year guard and that kind of thing, uh, I'm definitely – I wouldn't be sad if the Blazers got him. It's it's such an interesting draft this year because I can't remember recent drafts that people have been so committed to the fact that there's a huge drop-off. <laughs> you know, like after, you know, one, two, maybe one, two, three, like there's just – uh, it's just a wide open field, it, it seems like. And I can't remember a, you know, in the the last few drafts haven't been like that, I guess, to me. This is a weird draft. And it's, the thing is, like, so after that drop off, there's going to be guys. And this is I think this is going to be I, I know people say this all the time, 
But this, to me, is going to be a draft that has five, six second-round guys that pop. There's going to be a group of guys here, I, uh, guys like Horton Tucker, guys like Schofield. I think those are guys that um, are really going to – and I'm not talking about stars. I'm talking about rotation players in the league. Do you think it could be because sort of the – there's a there's a different kind of – NBA player coming up. I mean, yes, it, it used to be they used to like be definite positions. You played this position, you played this position, and it was easier to tell. And now because people are coming in with you know playing multiple positions with multiple talents, it's harder to like just sort of figure out where they go. That's a big part of the other part of this. Part of this is some drafts have stars, some have second fiddles, some drafts have role players. Some drafts have late bloomers. I think this is just a draft that has a ton of role players. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, if you can get these guys and avoid overpaying them, I'm, I'm not talking about like these guys have to turn into Draymond Green. I'm talking about, I think there's some PJ Tuckers in here. I think there's a Kyle Lowry in here, a guy who bounces around three different teams and it takes him 10 years in the league before he really finds his footing. And I, I think, I mean, you can say that about any draft, but I, I feel it more so about this draft than any draft really in recent memory. So it's going to be interesting to see how how this one turns out in five years. It seems like whenever there's a draft that's, you know, hyped up with it, where they say it's a one or two or three player draft, and it always seems like there's someone in the mid 20s or someone in the, the late 40s, you know, that's really uh, going to hit. So People always want to count out a draft before it happens and before these players actually hit the floor. And, you know, it can be a totally different story once they actually hit the floor. And, you know, you see like something like 2013 where you have like Anthony Bennett go number one, Otto Porter go three, Nerlens Noel go six. But then you have a CJ McCollum at 10, Giannis at 15, uh, Rudy Gobert at 27. Uh, you know, it, don't count the draft out before it actually happens. You know, these players got to hit the floor first. And the big one I think is here on this draft in particular, and the reason why I hit the role player part of this so hard is I've literally talked to teams that have a guy at 16 that another team has at 29. Like the variance of where guys are being slotted by teams is wild. Some teams are really high on one guy. Some teams are really high on another and the, the boards don't even come close to matching. Do you think that's because what teams need is wildly different or because of, you know, how they evaluate players is different? Ah, uh, I think it's more about the former and less about evaluation and more about this class. Like you look at the top end, there's no shooting. We're, we're looking at guys you expect to be drafted like 97, 98, 99, right? RJ Barrett is an athlete, a slasher. He looks like Kobe coming out of high school. Not, not that he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I'm talking about his game. He's a slasher. When was the last time slashers coming out of school were a thing that we saw in the league? Everybody's talking about three and D space and pace. Zion Williamson is like we talked about Larry Johnson with more size. Like these things are really, really weird. They kind of go against the grain of what we've kind of uh, assumed the modern NBA to be. So it's, it's going to be strange to see how teams, what go for what their needs are versus what this class has to offer. It's interesting because I think it's going to be interesting to see how the you know, league evolves now that we've got players coming in who are no longer slotted into one position or the other. They come in 
more versatile, how does the game change? When the game for the last, like, you know, two or three years has just been, you know, threes, 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 threes. And, like, how does this new uh, type of player, like, are they going to... If you're saying they're not shooters, they're all slashers. Like, what if we get a couple of draft classes of guys who don't shoot threes? Uh, I don't know. I just think it's inter- it's going to be interesting to see how the the game itself, if the game itself changes when we have players coming in with uh, these sort of more positionless type um, profiles, I guess. Okay. Hmm. And with that, I need your guys' help because I... I cannot figure out the Western Conference for the life of me. We've touched on it a little bit. Um, but what I would like to do to, to wrap up today is I want to figure out, like, who are – who do you guys think right now are the actual contenders? Who do you think are, you know, the fringe contenders? Where do the Blazers fit in? And then, you know, who are the teams – like you were saying earlier, Dan, like, who are the teams on the bottom? I can't even really tell – Who's on the bottom? So I asked you guys to do a little homework and <laughs> and come up with some tiers uh, to tell me where you think that the guy the teams in the Western Conference are are porting out right now. So um, Isaiah, do you want to start off with talking about kind of how you think the Western Conference now lays out, knowing what we know today? Things everything could change tomorrow. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It seems like with the, the the Warriors situation, their unfortunate injuries, it seems like there's a lot of, you know, these fringe contenders where you could, these teams are probably talking themselves into a possible rig next season. But at the same time, you're like, I can't commit to this team 100%. Like, I, I like the Nuggets. We saw how good they were in that seven-game series. And at the same time, you know, I'm still doubting their youth a little bit. And I'm still doubting, you know, Jokic as a lead player a little bit, as opposed to uh, a Kawhi for Toronto. And But then you have, Dan mentioned the Rockets before, and they're having like a fire sale in public, which doesn't really seem like the best way to build a team as that always goes well. Make, yeah. yeah <laughs> they're going to be real committed. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, the situation with Mike D'Antoni and not giving him an extension and then giving him an extension and uh, the Rockets, you know, whatever. Uh, you have <laughs> jazz. <laughs> I mean, you have the jazz. Jonathan Mitchell, you know, is an angel and yeah, I love him very much. And Rudy Gobert, uh, as Tara pointed out earlier, you know, he dunks a lot and, you know, that's amazing. He plays defense and he cares. And, but at the same time, who's going to play point guard for them next season? You know, Dan mentioned D'Angelo Russell or Mike Conley, and it seems like they're moving on from Ricky Rubio because I told him he's not going to be a number one priority. And they told so him he's, he's, not, he's not coming back. Hey, exactly. Way, I appreciate the hell out of it. I know some people didn't like it, but if you don't want me, let me know. Let, let me be free and go do my damn thing. Yeah. At least, you know, you give him a heads up and he can adjust his summer accordingly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. But then you have a team like the Thunder and. You know, we saw them maybe at, not at the height of their powers with Paul George kind of hampered by his injury. But at the same time, even as great as Paul George is, you have the, you know, oncoming decline of a Russell Westbrook. And his game is not like what it was five years ago, even with, you know, padded numbers of a triple double. And then, you know, you have the Spurs and I'm never going to count on a Greg Popovich team, even though if this is the year that they fall off, you know, maybe this is the year. Uh, with LaMarcus getting older, DeRozan on the block, possibly. 
and, and then you have the, you know the Clippers and they want Kawhi and they said if they're not going to get Kawhi they're really just going to focus on their free agents and they're a good team you know with a Kawhi that you know they look like a contender but with that same team running it back I don't really know how high the ceiling there is and I mean it, it's just you can't commit to one team really unless you're looking at the Lakers and you want to bet on LeBron and AD so Isaiah do you do you see the Lakers then as the the biggest contenders right now or who do you think is like the top contender I would slot them at the top hesitantly you know depending on what happens where how they build their roster out you know if Kemba Walker comes there you have a three-headed monster and they're probably a clear favorite and but if it's you know LeBron AD and Lance Stevenson again, or JaVale McGee running center and Rajon Rondo uh, providing some sort of leadership on the team. You know, I don't know how far that team can go there. They'd be scary even with just LeBron and AD because those are two physical freaks. But it it depends on the other part of the roster too, because as we saw with the Warriors, if your top two dominoes go down and you're left with, you know, one star and a bunch of role players, it's not going to end super well. Okay, so let's, let's let's go let's go tiers, and this is going to be kind of a, a weird tiered system, because well, just from what we've seen in the NBA in the past, tier one: Denver, Portland, both Los Angeles teams, probably the Jazz. Tier two: Houston, Golden State, OKC, San Antonio. Tier three: You've probably got Sacramento, Memphis. New Orleans. Yeah. And then tier 46, the Suns. Oh, I'm sorry. I, for, I forgot. The, I forgot the, the, the Mavericks and, and T-Wolves in there. I, the Mavs could be real players in, in free agency and in, in shaking some things up. The other one is the Thunder. The Thunder could be real players in free agency. If Like the wild card here is the Thunder going, Stephen Adams, we love you. We're putting you up for sale. And then trying to remake their team trying to move a contract there and they can't move Russ any more than Portland can move Dame. Now I'm not saying they're the same players. I'm talking about what they mean to the franchise and the community. Like that's, the, that's the through point line that they have. Um, Paul George is not one of them yet, but I think as far as your, the way you're looking at tears. Yeah. And I think that, so you have the blazers up there in, they just went to the Western conference finals and they're getting the top back. tier of contenders. Yeah, I mean, r- right now with the way things sit, they are they they are the first team up from the second bracket. I can I can easily move them down to the second bracket with without a lot. Um, but I just the Warriors are out of as far as title contenders. I think the Rockets are going to do something wild, uh, or, or they're going to try to. I think they're going to end up blowing things up. Uh, the the team that I think is scariest outside of the Lakers are Denver and Utah. Utah has the potential if they land Conley to be unbelievably good. I, I think a a Mike Conley on that team makes Utah a nightmare for Portland because then you're you're you've got your your two premier guards going against two premier guards who are defensively much better. Um, if you're talking about like potential matchups. So that that's kind of the, the way I just kind of look at this is I'm trying to project out because right now I don't see the Blazers making a big move. Um, so I think that they could hold if they get Nurkic back in time in February with him being who he was. Right. Um, 
But there's going to be a surprise team in this bunch. Uh, the Clippers are probably going to get Kawhi. And they've got the, the chance to open up two max slots. So if they bring in Kawhi and, I don't know, maybe Jimmy Butler changes his mind. And he's like, hey, man, I want to go to L.A. too. Let's get wild. And now it's Kawhi and Jimmy in Los Angeles. Please, God, no. Why can't you stay in the East? I, with everybody coming West, somebody has to go East. I mean, it's, you would think, but no, they're, they're not. I mean, even, hell, I've kind of hinted at it a little bit, but the Dallas Mavericks, they're going to have Porzingis and Luka together. That's going to be really cool. And I'm getting messages right now. I'm hearing that uh, Dallas is interested, perhaps, in Julius Randle. So these, like again, all these teams can be remade so quickly. And we're going to see a team step up in here and probably go crazy. I think there's going to be one trade. It's like, oh, dear God, did not see that coming. But so right now you've got the Lakers up at the top and then right and then behind them, Denver, Utah, Portland. The Northwest Division. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's always the Northwest Division. Yeah. Oh, the Northwest Division is so tough. But you've got so you've got Denver, Utah, and Portland behind the Lakers as like fringe contenders or yeah, as the just, leading contenders, you yeah. know, outside of the Lakers. And then you so you drop down Golden State even farther. Is that because Golden State, like outside of Steph and Draymond, then it's just like all those bench guys. It, it's Steph, Draymond, and who? It's just it, it's just the, such a big drop off between yeah. Steph, Steph and Draymond and whoever's next. Steph is gonna uh-huh. have to so damn hard. I mean, even if they don't, let, let's say that they completely neglect KD and Clay. They're done. They're like, hey man, we wish you the best of luck. It'd be cold hard and callous. <laughs> but let's just say that they don't re-sign them. They don't have that much cap space. Like they're because Steph's deal and Clay and, and Dre's deal that are coming up, they had to account for those. So it it'd be a little bit surprising to see what they do. And and if God, they're breaking in a new what, $1.2 billion building. Do you really want to piss off a bunch of people? So I think Golden State's maybe a playoff team just because Steph is so damn good, but contender, not unless Clay and KD heal miraculously. And you guys, it sounds like, are both thinking that Denver is still way up there. I mean, I that's I I would put Denver up there, and I just I just worry about counting out Houston. I don't know why I have this because like every year Houston, come, you know, they haven't come all the way up. They <laughs> they've they've come up short. But yeah, so I agree with Denver. I was really surprised at how much of a drop off Utah had this year especially considering the previous year they'd had so many injuries and i don't believe they had as many injuries this last season so i was a little bit surprised about that but they could certainly bounce back and then um isaiah where did you where do you have portland in that in this mix i would put them right with the french contenders to be honest uh, uh i think dan had said they were like uh first up from the second tier and i, I agree with that i think the interesting thing with Portland is, uh, you know, roster building is fluid. You know, they added Rodney Hood and, and his canter uh, with the season, you know, two thirds of the way over. And those guys played a major role, you know, down the stretch and in the playoffs. And, you know, all these teams are going to go for the home runs. They're going to go for the Kawhis, you know, the Anthony Davises, the Jimmy Butlers. And at the same time, you know, 
adding Seth Curry, an injured Seth Curry, uh, in last free agency, also signing Nick Scousis and then using him in a trade for Rodney Hood before the All-Star break, adding Ennis Cantor because his other team, the Knicks, didn't want to play him. Uh, I think they... They're smart with their moves, and just because all these teams make home run, don't mean that you know you could sh- you should count them out. Yeah, I mean because you can hit a home run, and and that's great. But if there's going to be a lot of swings and misses too, if you, and if you're taking that giant swing, it's going to be a giant miss too. <laughs> sorry, I won't make any baseball more any more baseball analogies. That was bad. I'm really <laughs> sorry. I won't. I won't go into that anymore. I think Portland has like the benefit of continuity and, uh, you know, playing together for so many years and having an experienced team all around and, you know, throwing LeBron James, Kemba Walker and Anthony Davis together, you know, they're going to figure it out eventually, but you know, they ought to be a little bit of a rough sailing to begin with. And, you know, throwing Kawhi on the Clippers, you don't know what will happen necessarily. You know, you'll think about the Raptors run, and who's to say he's going to have the same success that he'll have has had in Toronto with the Clippers. So I think Portland's continuity is not something to, to just ignore. Sure. I feel like Denver and Utah also have some pretty good continuity. And I thought it was really interesting in the playoffs this season that Toronto can we say that they had that seemed like a brand new team, <laughs> but especially after you know they added Marcus Saul? I mean, like that's sort of like the uh the thing that can that uh turns me off of continuity is you know, I always think too they're gonna they're gonna mesh all these people together and it's never gonna work, and that's what happened last year for l a but then on the other hand, it worked so beautifully for Toronto, so I guess it depends on which parts you have that you're trying to. Put together <laughs> you can continually suck like that that's a real thing <laughs> the knicks have existed for a while so have the bulls um continuity is always great when it's a continuity of something good uh-huh when you're building uh, on something as I, you would say dan right yes exactly continuity of hey okay or less <laughs> is never good um i mean you, you saw the hawks this season or this offseason so far, being willing to take on some dead money to acquire another asset to continue building around Collins and, and Young and Huerta. I mean, they, they've got some, some things going down there. You're looking at teams being smarter about how they're building teams, but they're also being riskier at times. The Brooklyn Nets rebuilt themselves out of nothing, and they're the ones that offered Alan Crabb and eventually traded out for Alan Crabb's contract and eventually traded. That's Has a team ever done that before? Offered a restricted free agent, then did traded for the restricted free agent that they tried to sign the year before, and then traded that restricted free agent to somebody else. That's that seems like a, a bridge too far for any team. But like the, what the Nets have gone through to now be in a position where they have two max slots, and mostly most likely Kyrie Irving his signature on there on July first. I mean, it's gonna be really interesting to see how these teams kind of in West, East, wherever go about these pretty serious scenarios in, in team building if if Kyrie stays in the east then he's gonna get a, a gold star for me <laughs> somebody <laughs> stay in the east somebody please just stay in the east i'm sorry i sound like a broken record on that but no it's it's it, i mean realistically yeah it's it's, one it's of those not things. wrong <laughs> yeah I mean, milwaukee's no. milwaukee's got to be pretty happy about this offseason yeah milwaukee's path to the playoffs right now looks 
or past the finals right now looks pretty good. Well, you guys, it's been really fun. We should wrap it up here. Thank you for this the, the league-wide discussion because I, you know, coming out of the Blazers season, I sometimes get so, you know, up to my eyeballs on what's going on with the Blazers that when I look outside, it's hard to know where the Blazers stand. So I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about that. You all um, caught I- up now? I'm getting there <laughs> because I mean, I don't, the thing is, is it's all going to change, you know, the, with the next Woj bomb. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Like I've heard some things that I can't talk about obviously right now, but um, I've heard some things that are, are kind of, that have been cooking for a while and well, not all of them, but maybe none of them will come together. I have, I have a strong suspicion that one of them is going to happen. So um, it, it's going to be fun to see, who's willing to risk it for the biscuit, right? Like we, we saw Toronto do it last year and then it worked out mm-hmm. that that's got for a bunch of a plus type personalities. That's got to just be like, well, if he can do it, so can I damn it. You know, I, and I can see that happening in, in some front offices, especially with what has transpired with the West coming open and the other guys that are, you know, uh, the top tier becoming free agents. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to I try not to spend too much time time figuring out exactly what will happen so that I can spend my energy finding figuring out what the result is going to what it's going to look like. Isaiah, do you want to tell folks how they can find your work and if there's anything that you've uh, been working on that you want to share? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Isaiah Delos, D-E-L-O-S. And I do social media for Slam Magazine as well. And I'm running their throwback highlights channel. So we're putting out a lot of fun stuff on there. So you can find that at Slam Rewind. And yeah, that's that's where you can find my work. Wait, so what's the highlights, the Rewind Highlights channel thing? Yeah, so Slam, you know, really just wants to capitalize on, you know, nostalgia and uh, finding these hidden gems that people might've forgotten about or never seen before. So we just committed to, you know, finding stuff that people haven't seen or, you know, reminding stuff of great moments. Like yesterday I posted about uh, Jeremy Lin's game winner in Toronto all those years ago during Lin's sanity. And, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, you think about it and you're like, oh, yeah, that happened like a year ago or two years ago. And you're like, oh, no, that happened five, six years ago. And, you know, it's it's funny to see all these reactions about people are like, oh, yeah, I was doing such and such when this happened. And, yeah, it's fun to, you know, take a look back on NBA history. That's really fun. That's re- I'm going to go. I'm going to go follow that. That sounds really fun. And, you know, it gives us a chance to, you know, if we missed it the first time around, learn more about it. Better see oh, some Strickland highlights in there. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get on that. That's for sure. <laughs> the, the ratio of Blazers highlights to everybody else's highlights should be slightly skewed. <laughs> it, <better> be. <laughs> honestly, it has been a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But <laughs> you know what? Is it your fault that the Blazers have had so many highlights through the years? No. Oh, it's no, not, not your at fault. all. They, you know, just because they're such a, you know, a team that manufactures such great highlights, what can you do? Right. <laughs> I mean, when you have greats like Rudy Fernandez and Damon Lillard and Thomas Robinson, you know, it's hard. It's hard to really to stay away from those. They're gonna be all... There better be at least one Sergio to Rudy Spanish Armada lob play. And I oh, yeah, to... that was already in there. <laughs> and I would like to put in a request for some Andre Miller lobs. Andre Miller. OK. Yeah. Um, 
Thank you very much. Dan, you want to uh, tell people where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Blazers Outsiders uh, every Thursday in the offseason on NBC Sports Northwest, obviously here on the Blazers Edge podcast, and uh, obviously on Blazers Edge writing at least once a week. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. Yeah, if you want to follow me on social media, at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, it's the same no matter what social media you're on. So, there you go. Continuity, more continuity. That's what it is. Definitely not laziness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find me um, on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast on any of the platforms that you use to get your podcast. When you subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast, you will also get the Hoops and Talks podcast occurring in your feed. You can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And we are continuing to put out mostly two podcasts a week for the summertime. And, um, of course, if anything big happens with the Blazers, we will be right on to tell you all about it. So if you want to make sure you don't miss anything, go ahead and subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast. And I think that'll about do it for us tonight. So for Isaiah and for Dan, thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.